the smell of napalm in the morning. Like victory. Welcome back to Full Metal Movie Reviews. It's your host, Sandboy. And this week, we got one sick puppy of a film to review. It's a all-time classic, just in time for Halloween. One of the most iconic horror films ever made by the fantastic director, Wes Craven. It's his visionary and nightmare on Elm Street. With me to discuss this film is another sick, twisted puppy, Phony. Phony, how are you? One, two, full metal movie review. Three, four, Sam and Phony at the door. Five, six, can you please give us some candy? Yeah, mate, I'm doing good. Excited as always. Another horror movie, another Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Here we go, baby. Phony. Yeah, mate. You love horror films. Right? Oh, I would say it's my preferred genre of cinema. How special is this time of year for you? Look, you know, to make this an interesting podcast, I'll say, yeah, it's really special. In reality, it's just another month. But um, I look, it's cool, man, because horror movies are up in the forefront and there's a lot more released on streaming services and all of a sudden everybody loves horror movies for a month and, you know, I'm not like the weird kid in the corner anymore. So it's not bad. Okay. Sorry, I thought that that joke would have landed a bit more. Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, I... I have to admit something to you. You don't like horror movies? Um, yeah, not that I don't like them. I think they're just garbage. But, well, no, most of them are garbage. But I truly believe, having rewatched this recently, mm-hmm. and having not seen it in its entirety really before having rewatched it, mm-hmm. I would say that this is probably the best horror movie number one in a horror franchise yeah I'd number agree with it one horror movie in a franchise and I would say it's probably this is a big call because I like Halloween and I like John Carpenter but I reckon this trumps that in terms of a debut film in a horror franchise I know John Carpenter sort of set the fucking template for everyone to follow but this this film is just so much fun. It is just so much fun. It's so ridiculous. Its premise is wild. Like, you could do anything with this premise. Um, the practical effects, okay, they're a bit meh, hokey, but for the most part, they hold up. It's particularly in the end. We'll get to the ending when we get to it. But um, I just find that this is probably one of the best horror films of all time and I can see why it spawned I don't know how many sequels six sequels it's fantastic I love it I love it well actually I mean there's nine films all up 
and a, t- and, a TV, and a and a TV and a TV series. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I agree with you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the effects are dated. Um, but the really cool thing about this movie, Sam, and you know, you hit the nail on the on the head when you described it as being you know, one of the best horror movies in a franchise and probably one of the greatest horror movies of all time is that this movie. I mean, there's a reason why they call New Line Cinema the house that Freddie built. This movie literally took New Line Cinema mm-hmm. out of bankruptcy, um, got it money, and uh, you know gave a um, a cash grab for um, for New Line. You know, going forward, I mean, they, they you know they didn't make so many movies for no reason. You know, Freddie made money; everyone loves it, um, and they're willing to sit through you know, all the sequels to just see Robert England do his thing. Well, really good, I'm really good movie. Life. I prefer this version of Freddy when he's not talking too much and being so fucking familiar with the mic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I Everyone like does. That. I don't like that version of Freddy. I like this version of Freddy. He's just out to scare and kill uh, and maim was- and torture. So um, I think it gets as all things with... I don't know, for whatever reason... It's like the horror genre, as the films go on, they get more satirical and more uh, campy. Um, and I feel Freddy is like the embodiment of that. It just goes beyond campy with him. Um, I'd agree. To a point of almost self-parody. Um, Pretty much. But this is just fantastic. Start to end. <laughs> it starts off with a bang and it... Never, it's unrelenting to pretty much for the whole 90 minutes where the hell it goes for. Like, it's phenomenal. It's literally probably, I would say, Wes Craven's best work. I know people like Scream, but I feel like this is, this is definitely iconic legacy stuff. 100% agree. Um, I remember I said to you, well, I mean, we're recording this on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert! And on a Monday morning, being today, you were like, "We're going to pod." I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. Which one? Nightmare on Elm Street. I can do that whenever. I've seen this movie God knows how many times. Cool. I ended up rewatching it. Finished watching it ten minutes before we recorded. Um, and 100%, this movie is killer. Straight for the bang. There is no real dull points. I don't ever remember like previously watching this being bored in it and again i wasn't bored um watching this for the 50th time mm-hmm. um you know yeah i didn't pick up anything new and yeah you know i noticed all the little goofs that were there but the other thing too sam is that this is as independent of a movie really like i know yes there's a studio new line backing it but there was no real money in this um they did everything practically for a reason I don't think... Uh, did Linolan actually... Mm, I thought they just distributed it. They distributed it, but they were... then Yeah, they distributed it. Oh, and then Sorry. they were the production company as well. But they, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But they, that's, they invested whatever little they had into it, which wasn't much. Um, <clears throat> but the idea was that, yeah, later on, Wes would give up the rights to a nightmare on Elm Street, which is why it became what it became. But... Um, Back to back to that. Like this movie it was a passion project of Wes Craven. Um, the way that if you're a film student, right, 
Okay, and I, and I was a film student for a brief period of time. This movie has a wicked audio commentary, but it's like a masterclass on how you can make a movie on the cheap. The different filming techniques, using body doubles, um, doing what's called the um, Texas switch, um, all this type of stuff. They use so many different in-camera techniques, uh, latex, lighting for when he's appearing over the bed, that type of stuff. It's just, it's an amazing... Like, put aside, you've got a dude who's got pepperoni on his face, which is how the makeup was formed, running around with knives, extending his arms and sheep in the background, whatever. Forget that for a second. If you think about what they actually had to work with, it's just amazing what they produced. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more in a minute about some of the backstory behind this and how I got kick-started. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you put all those pieces together you can really see that Wes Craven was trying his absolute hardest to just produce a fucking awesome movie. And that's what he did. And that's why it still stands up to today. Hmm. I mean, he had some interesting work before, um, but this is probably his most dynamic and just ultimately, I guess... Um, critically acclaimed, commercially acclaimed, world-renowned piece. Um, Thorns, like I always do, before we start going too in-depth within the movie itself, what is your first memory, or how did you first come about this film? Yeah, sure, Sam. Well, it was a cold and lonely night. <laughs> there was a little phony running around the house. Um, uh, look, I loved horror movies when I was a kid to the point where I watched The Blob when I was about eight years old and it scared scared me. And I didn't watch a horror movie, but I was like obsessed with them. And then up until I was about oh, 14 or 15, Foxtel had a horror movie marathon and they were showing A Nightmare on Elm Street. Cable company in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our viewers know. Our listeners, our loyal listeners know this because they've heard me say this before there's six people that may have listened to this over six years um so foxtel had a horror movie marathon as they would do on a friday 13th or a halloween or whatever and this was a nightmare in elm street one two and three and i never watched nightmare in elm street before because i kind of stopped watching horror movies after the blob because the blob scared the bejeebus out of me and but I was always obsessed. I'd always go to Blockbuster. I'd drag you into the horror section, show you horror movies, because my mum would always rent them for herself. You're like, oh, this is cool. That's cool. And I remember I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch it. Because this is around the time Freddy vs. Jason came out. And I sat down and I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Saw Johnny Depp get sucked in his bed. And I was like, I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm not going to bed, couldn't and I didn't go to. I couldn't handle it. I didn't go to bed that night. My mum lost her shit. She go. She grabs me and she's like, "What are you doing up?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Freddie scared me. She's like, "That's just a guy in a mask. Go to bed." And that was my first memory of a nightmare in Elm Street. Been hooked ever since. <laughs> How old <are> you, mate? <laughs> oh, I don't know, like 14 or something. You know, the <laughs> stupid age where you're old enough to know. You know, that it's obviously a movie, right? But you're still at that age where you're, like, impressionable. Mm. <laughs> and when I found out afterwards that that was Johnny Depp, I was like, oh, okay. So the guy's still alive. He obviously made a career out of himself. It's all good in the hood. Um, 
But yeah, that movie scared the crap out of me. My next one, my brother decided that I love those movies. He rented me Freddy vs. Jason maybe like a week after. Mm. And then from that moment onwards, man, just hooked. Hooked! Anyway, so you can blame Chris. What was your first experience? Um, was, it the, was it The Simpsons? No, I reckon I was younger. I reckon I was eight, maybe six, something like that, seven. And um, Dave, my older brother, um, he, Channel 9, around this time of year, used to have uh, marathons, movie marathons. Um, and they used to show horror films. And they had... Uh, no, I would have been older. I would have been around 12. Um, they had uh, the Friday 13th. And they also had um, Nightmare on Elm, uh, Elm Street series. Sorry, I'm trying to remember the um, fucking name. I'm having a, a very tired listen. It's very tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a mental breakdown. Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And it's the first one started too late, if that makes sense. So I fell asleep. But then I woke up, and I want to say it was number four. I don't know. Which is the one where the furnace talks? The furnace talks. Yeah. Like it moves its mouth up and down. Righty-o. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, I don't know if it does it in number four. Sorry, it doesn't talk, but... It's got like number number four. Number four probably has a furnace doing the most amount of stuff because that's when he chucks um, Kristen into the furnace. Yeah, and it's uh, hell. Um, like I can't really remember the house, but it's more set in the boiler room. Like there's a lot of scenes in the boiler room. Yeah, number number four um, brought it to the boiler room a fair bit. Um, yeah, I think you're thinking of number four. If it's got a furnace in a prominent position, it's yeah. uh, it's number four. So. Um, that's what I remember, seeing number four, and I saw number four first. Never went back to it. It didn't really scare me, but I just never went back to it. And then I reckon I saw it in passing maybe when I was like 18. And again, never went back to it. And then I probably saw it again in bits and pieces. I reckon somewhat time with you but I never really watched it from start to end as a film until like last week. <laughs> like I just, it, wow. it wasn't a, cause the thing is like, I never found the premise that scary. Like I just didn't, um, I, I, I just found it hokey and that's probably cause of the Simpsons and all the amount of times it's been parried. Right. And also at this stage, it's important to say that Freddy Krueger has actually become a pop culture, icon and is more known for his one-liner cracks like yeah, we yeah. we both would have seen this way after the fact of like it's already been watered down to the point where they've killed the series off at this point yeah so it wasn't even that good um so i thought i was like uh i thought oh, this is dumb shit pretty much i just dismissed it but then when i actually saw the first one i was like huh the first one it is a bit, I guess, campy still by today's standards, but it isn't like 
it's not self-aware or self-referential uh, to the detriment that it's, um, yeah, like making fun of itself and being a parody. It's actually taking the material seriously. And it's a quick ride. doesn't go very long. And it's there's probably one of the films that I was like, huh, I'm actually watching this. And, and you know, when you just like, you find yourself, just catch yourself enjoying something so much. Like, oh, wow, this is really, I'm having a good time. Yeah. So I, I personally don't really have an affinity for horror at all. Um, Mike Myers Halloween is probably the only one I do because of John Carpenter and because I generally found that or find it to be the most scary out of all the big horror franchises purely because uh, John Carpenter can really compose a shot with shadows and is basically just a psycho escapes the, uh, you know, the loony bin and is going on a killing spree so I, I find that scary because it's 100% believable right even the face mask or his mask that he chooses to wear is, is scary um, compared to like Friday the 13th it gets a bit of a joke um, you know Freddy's the effects on his face look so ridiculous um, especially in like number number I mean, probably was number four like you, get, you know when like the late 80s early 90s is like where they just got no money so they're not putting any but then they're not hiding his face with shadow. They're just constantly yeah. shadow. And it's like, fuck, this guy looks, so, like, looks like a melted pizza. Yeah, if you... Well, I mean, he was designed after a melted pepperoni pizza. But, oh, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, a Uber, I'm, a, I'm an Uber fan, man. I've got every movie. I've got the documentary. I'm um, Uber fan. So that's why I, I kind of didn't really ever pay this thing too much attention. Because I thought, like, this and Chucky were like... Or whatever it's called. Child's Play was just like, oh, this is, it's just too dumb. But to be honest, they're probably my two first favorite, having watched it through like the lens of like let's just watch it as an adult and see what why everyone like these are so endearing. And let's probably just jump into the film now. The reason why I like this film so much is that the premise is so fucking wackadoo, similar to Child's Play, but so in so genius at the same time because ultimately there are no limits to what is capable, right? You're in a dream, you fall asleep. Anything's possible. Some of the kills you get on this are awesome. Awesome. But also, some of the um, the ways he uses to terror- terrorize his victims, I, not, not, I wouldn't say, like, not a lot of it is generally frightening, but <laughs> some of it is like... Wow, that would—that's actually that's actually quite a clever way you, you scared that person. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, put a lot like of thought into that, especially when um, is it Nancy? Sorry, I forgot the name. Yeah, Na- yeah, Nancy. Nancy, she's on the phone and the tongue on the yeah. receiver. I was like, this is hilarious. Like, that's yeah, so I'm like right now. I've got the list of a nightmare on Elm Streets, and uh, it's I'm actually looking at a at a still shot of Nancy with uh, that phone tongue, and the tongue's just like tonguing her, and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, I'm your boyfriend now. That was it's hilarious. Like it's he's a creep. Um, oh, he's a he's, manipulator, he's, man. He's a manipulator. Like I think the first one was really good because it played to the point of he is making them as scared as possible of him. You know, because that's how he gets his powers. He gets his powers from fear. So while you don't see every single nightmare with every single um, kid, you only see it between Tina and Nancy. Um, you see enough of the type of 
crap he does, like getting Tina's body, having like centipedes crawling out of her mouth and wearing her face, you know, as a mask, dragging around in a body bag, you know, like this is like, that's the stuff nightmares are made of, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, he, they, it's really, it's just intense sometimes. But then, you know, there's parts of the movie where it kind of brings you back when she's reading about survivalism and, you know, she sets all these booby traps and it becomes a bit of a home alone thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, you're right, man. The first one uses that nightmare uh, dream state very well in really showcasing what Freddy can do. And, and what is it that, that sort of endeared you to this franchise? Because I get the impression this is probably your most loved franchise. Yeah, all. yeah. Look, uh, Halloween. Halloween, I like. See, the thing about Halloween, Halloween... right, is that it is fundamentally a man, in a, and it gets tiresome. Like I, Halloween probably has the best one too. I reckon out of all the franchises. Yeah, yeah I agree, um, but it kind of runs out of steam because of the premise itself is pretty one-dimensional, right? The issue I have with Halloween is that there's one, there's one, two, three, three, four, if you include the remakes, four different timelines. Um, you know, they, they didn't really... I mean, because it gets yeah. confusing because they've got to do it. They look to do different things and then they retcon them because yeah. that didn't work. And yeah. Whereas this, this just kind of goes with it to the very end. This is like... You know, okay, we know this is getting campier and campier, but we're just going to ride this train. <laughs> and then they they fix it. They fix it with New Nightmare, and they fix it with Freddy versus Jason. But um, to answer your question, what endears me a little bit is the killer is different. You hit the nail on the head where you said it's a guy. Halloween's a guy in a mask. Now, don't get me wrong, Halloween is a great movie. It's actually fundamentally, I would think, it's a better movie than A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, the way it's made, the way shadows use suspense and all that type of stuff. A Nightmare on Elm Street is funner because there's more action, there's more things going on. But I think Halloween is a better horror movie. What A Nightmare on Elm Street has that separates itself from A Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, any of those other movies is that you've got a killer that talks. And that becomes an issue later on in the series, yeah. But in this uh, part two, three, four, you know, having Freddy talk just makes it completely different. It's a completely different type of film. He doesn't need to be the biggest, bulkiest dude. He's the smallest killer out there. He looks freaky. He's got the knives. But he can he can talk his way into the character's fear, and that was done well in part one, and that's what endears me to this more than the others. It's a killer villain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, I think he's also the one with the, probably the best backstory. Um, mm. And I think with Halloween, you don't really need one. To just he's just evil, so that's kind of why it's good. But um, I th- I truly believe that this is the most dynamic of the whole lot. Like it's, it doesn't get really. I mean, if you kept making 
Um, movies. I haven't seen all the sequels, so I can't really comment to that. But if they, if you kept making um, all these films in a similar, like, like the similar essence of the dream, like he's just a tormentor in a dream, and basically all, all he does is torment generations of children, like you know, like as the um, lullaby goes, they like one, two, you know, Freddy's gonna get you. Um, you could probably just have endless, endless possibilities, right? But that is also probably it's probably also why. But it, I mean, but it's probably you couldn't do it without having the premise, if that makes sense, or the back of the how how Freddy came to be Freddy. Yeah. So the writing of it is pretty good um and the other i just feel like the other horror movies they're just either a psycho or they're just some paranormal bullshit that's just like oh it's ghosts you know what i mean like it doesn't it's maybe Candyman's probably the only exception mm. um i mean but Candyman's sort of similar in this premise as well right like um, yeah i mean Candyman's built on fear and yeah yeah, he's brought out by um, he's an urban legend, um, that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, there's definitely similarities there. Uh, the, I guess the main difference between Candyman and um, Freddy is that Freddy's out for revenge, mm. uh, Candyman's there to keep a legend. So, you know, that two d- two different driving forces there, which actually make characters um, quite quite unique. Mm. Um, did you know? I'll throw a little fun fact out here, since I were talking about, um, I guess, you know, uh, the story and how unique it was for the time. Um, did you know that this, A Nightmare on Elm Street, is actually based on a true story? Oh, uh, yeah, because he, re- <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I vaguely know that he, um, Wes Craven, read an article about people who were dying in their sleep or having like terror night terrors. Um, so Wes Wes Craven tells a story. Um, uh, there's one particular article where this young boy, probably you know teenager, uh, fourteen, fifteen, or whatever he was, uh, was refusing to go to sleep because he was convinced that um, these were sorry these were um, Southeast Asian refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, he was convinced that someone would kill him in his sleep, and he was doing everything he could to stay awake. Um, and eventually, uh, one, one night he just fell asleep downstairs. His parents saw him, but he looked peaceful, picked him up, put him to bed. They heard something go up there. There he is dead. Later on, they find things like coffee pots under his bed, you know, pots of coffee, granules everywhere. Um, and pretty much, you know, that was the, guess where the basic idea that basic concept came from and it was like a series of articles it wasn't just like you know one kind of story um that's pretty cool then freddie himself uh was inspired when Wes craven was a little boy um there was this freaky looking dude in a sweater and a hat hanging outside his uh his uh lounge room window or whatever i think he was in an apartment building and he was staring at this guy, and then the guy just turns around and stares at Wes like he knew he was there, gives him the scariest look. Wes, 
jumps down, jumps back up, and the guy's just not there anymore. So, not based on a true story, but I always found that pretty cool. Just some random fun facts for you guys, for you listeners out there. You probably already know this, but anyway. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, the guy was, what, in his apartment looking at him? Like, downstairs, out a window, um, just hanging out. When Wes was right, Wes and I think his brother or a sibling was, you know, checking this guy out. Um, and when he tells a story, it's like he's, you know, there's no way the guy would know that Wes was looking at him with the way it was situated. But then the guy turns around and he almost stares a hole through Wes like he knew he was there the entire time. And the basic, like, look of him is where he and it's got Freddy inspired from. Wow, that's pretty chilly. Cool, I didn't mm. know that. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, so maybe we'll just give a... Thanks for that uh, bit of information there, Fanny. Uh, we'll just... Um, we'll give a bit of a maybe synopsis of the, of the film itself. It's pretty It's pretty linear in the story. I mean, it's not too crazy. Um, in, in like, It's not too convoluted, sorry. Um, basically, um, it opens very, uh, um, I guess, I wouldn't say dramatic, but it, it opens up with a suspense sort of thing, right? It, it, like, she, she's, I think her name's Tina. Tina! Yeah, she's in a boiler room, um, and she gets attacked by a guy with, uh, knives for hands, um... And then she screams herself to awake, I guess. And her mum comes into the room and then says, "Oh, you got to relax." And then her, like some weirdo boyfriend's like, "Hey, honey, come back to bed." I was like, "Fucking, that's so bizarre." <laughs> like, who gets out of bed to tell someone to come back to bed? Like, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Tina points to um, Tina's mother points to Tina's uh, nightingale and says, "You just got to stop. You got to cut your nails or whatever." And Tina's nightingale is actually slashed and she's got blood. So she's like, "What the fuck?" So already there's this sort of weirdness about, "Oh, is that real or not?" Or is she really crazy? And Tina's best friend is Nancy, and Nancy's boyfriend—I guess it's boyfriend. Like, yeah, yeah I always yeah. kind of—I read it that Nancy was the girl next door to Glenn. Glenn nah. kind of liked her, and she like was just like, "Yeah, or right, whatever." Just like they were just neighbors that Glenn was always trying to hook up with. No, no, no. Boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, okay. Um, so they, they, um, Nancy and Glenn stay at Tina's house uh, when she goes out of town, Tina's mother's. Um, but their party or whatever is interrupted by Tina's boyfriend, Rod Lane, who is a fucking nut bar. Like, who pulls out a knife on someone for making a joke? You know what I mean? Like, relax. Hey, man. Hey, hey, you should have watched his mouth. Uh, interesting enough, Rod Lane, played by Jesus Garcia who went by Nick Corey because he thought that if he was known as an Italian guy, that would get him through Hollywood other than his Hispanic heritage. Another fun fact for you listeners out there. Well, jokes on him because <laughs> nobody knows who the fuck Nick Corey is. Hey, he was in Candyman Part 3. <laughs> um, so, Tina... I got, And I also got the impression that Tina hated Rod, like, especially when they go to high school during the day and like she can't get like she wants to get away from Rod 
But then, like, Rob, like, Rod then fucking just takes it and goes, no, nah, we're going to go fuck. And she's like, oh, I don't really want to go. And then the friend's like, oh, well, I guess she's going to get boned. <laughs> like, it was a bit weird. Like, it was a bit... If I was um, Nancy, I'd be like, Tina, are you okay? Are you sure this is something you want to do? Because it seems like it's a bit weird. It's funny you say that, because I literally just rewatched this, and I agree with you 100%. Like, when I was watching that, I was just like, hold on, you were just saying that you couldn't even fit the words Tina on his dick. Like, yeah, the letters Tina on his dick. Like, let alone, you know, you literally hated his guts two seconds ago. Mm. Like, oh, you must be good, man. You must be well, good. I don't know. It's crazy. And then, basically... Um... They have sex, they fool around, and then when Tina um, and Rod go to sleep, that's when Freddy comes for Tina, and it is probably one of the coolest scenes uh, or sequences, because um, you kind of think that Tina is going to be the hero of the story, because she's yes. the first girl, but she gets killed pretty quickly, like within the first 25 minutes, 30 minutes. If, if that, if that, it's I remember. Like, you know what? It's probably 15, bro. It, it, it's, it's something really short. Like, uh, you know, I was just rewatching it again, and then he uh, goes to the house, and I know what's next. And I'm like, wow, is that already? Um, but, you know, this is this is Wes Craven's. You know, he did it again in Scream. Mm. Um, this is the first time he did it. Like, you're invested in Tina 100%. And everyone that's reviewed this movie before us, because I've listened to quite a few reviews on this movie, you know, agree that that. At the time, as well, was definitely a big shock. Yeah, it's a big swerve. Um, so Tina is getting chased by Freddy, and then you get the you get the first proper look at who this guy is. He's you see the hat and the green and um, red um, jumper or sweater. Uh, it's a sweater. It's a bit hokey that kill. Sorry, guys, I'm very tired. It's a bit hokey that kill scene um, because, um, especially when the arms get extended, it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like literally like <laughs> they just they knitted a long sweater and just held out two fishing poles and had the arms on fishing poles or something because it's just yeah, so, pretty much. It looks so it looks so bad, but the, and then they had a, they had a um a little. A little person stunt double, um, like he was really short. He's about five foot. Um, play Freddy Krueger chasing her, um, so that Robert Englund could jump out the other side. Yeah, it's all, 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 all fun facts, Sam. All fun facts. But hey, you got to do what you got to do, especially back then. Um, and Hercule. What I'd like to say is that it's not. Like, the actual, the scenes where you see her getting killed isn't, like, that great. But what is awesome, and what is awesome technique, is the scenes when she's in a bed dreaming and she's just flailing around and getting jumped around the room. Those were amazing. <laughs> like, even the, the standards, that was, like, the ro- fucking... The rotating room. Yeah, the yeah. rotating room. It was, like, so cool. Yeah, nah, it's killer. Um, there's some... I'll stop with the fun fact shit, but there's some really cool um, behind the scenes. How do that? So, you just had... <laughs> so, her, and Everything, the room. yeah. So that and Glenn's death were both done on a rotating room. And when you get to Glenn's death, I'll I'll pinpoint a couple of things there where you can tell it's a rotating room. But everything is fixed to the floor, to the walls, to the ceiling. The Rod, uh, the guy who plays Rod, yeah. um, is uh, Nick Corey is in the corner, like pinned with the camera. That's why he gets hit in the head. Um, 
so he's in the corner essentially it's a camera mount and as a point of reference and then the room is rotating slowly as the cameras are fixed in one uh, in the one spot and all she is doing is just going with the room and acting out as if she's being dragged up the wall being hit on the ceiling and all that type of stuff mm. um, disorientated the actress so much that she actually had a panic attack when there was a cut and she's essentially on the ceiling, freaking out, thinking she's going to fall. Um, and there's a really cool um, photo of Wes Craven sticking his head in the window, mm-hmm. upside down, and just, you know, like, just calming her, uh, retelling the story um, that, you know, hey, we're here, you're on the ground, I'm on the ground, everyone's okay kind of thing. But that's how they did that scene. Um, and it's a technique that's been used in multiple different movies and towards the end of this movie, we'll bring it up again. It's really cool. If you check out some behind-the-scenes stuff, definitely check out that rotating room. It's killer. And uh, Rod gets pinned for it because um, he has a bad rep and he has a switchblade. So... And a leather jacket. So you think, oh yeah, he obviously did it like it doesn't make sense that you know you could definitely um see that the carts were not made by a switchblade but anyway um yeah but no one else was there no, so. I'm just, I'm just sad. now the next development in the story is that nancy's uh is taken to the police station and her father is actually a cop um and the cop is uh played by he's, a, he's actually a pretty famous actor Fuck. legendary john saxton yeah 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 so he, um, uh, I had it. Oh, I had a fun fact that it was meant to be a different actor to play that role. Mm. It was my one one bit of fun fact that I was going to bring to this table and I forgot. It was like it meant to be. It did a good job there. Yeah, it was meant to be like an actually. Uh, fuck. It was meant to be like a different iconic direct actor, like an actual really like you know you know how they always have like Donald Pleasance or like an actual serious actor to give it sort of a bit of gravitas. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, it'll come to me. Whatever. It'll um, come to me. Eventually. He is like, what the hell are you doing? on a school night <laughs> like being out of sleepover which is like a, like I agree like as a parent I'm never letting my kids sleep over on a school night um I'm gonna look this up because this is this is grinding my gears <laughs> this is grinding my gears alright you look it up so um, they're there yeah, alright you go, on, you go. go. Uh, so they're there on a school night and it's like what the hell's going on here and he's yeah. You know, got a murder on his hands and he's really pissed off that his daughter's involved. Um, anyway, they got Rod Lane locked up. Nancy decides that she's going to go to school, um, even though his mom, her mom's telling her not to. This is that the next day. On her way to school, she noticed that there's some interesting-looking fellas watching her. And then all of a sudden, Rod Lane comes out of nowhere, grabs her, and... Um, says I didn't do it you know you know you believe it was me blah blah blah. you believe it wasn't me blah 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 John Saxon comes out because he was uh, watching using his daughter as bait comes out arrests Rod Lane puts him back in uh, back in the cell and uh, have have you looked it up yet or am I still rolling with this locks him back up in the cell 
there's a couple series of events where they're discussing, you know, the Dream Killer. Freddie makes a couple appearances here and there. I think we're going to fast forward now to where Nancy is starting to discover that, okay, this guy is in her dreams. He's doing this. Everyone's having the same nightmare about the guy with the finger claws and that type of stuff. Still knives for fingers. She's going to go to sleep. She's going to try and pull this guy out. So Johnny Depp, Glenn, jumps in the window, tries to get lucky, and she goes, no, 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 turn off the lights. He's like, but She's like, nah, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to try and get this guy, and you're going to stay awake, and you're going to kick his ass when he comes out of the dream, right? And he's just like, okay, whatever. This is weird. He falls asleep. It's a really cool scene where you don't actually know if you're watching this for the first time, you don't know if she's sleeping or if she's awake. And then it becomes pretty clear towards the end that they're both asleep. She witnesses Freddy messing around with Rod. There's a bit of a scuffle. She gets out of a dream. They both go to see Rod in the real world. It's too late. Another practical effect. Freddy manipulates the blanket in Rod's cell, wraps around his neck, yanks him up, snaps his neck, kills him, makes it look like a suicide. Rod's gone. Tina's gone. It's uh, Nancy and Glenn left. Nancy's mum, at this point, takes Nancy to get some uh, sleep tests. It's then revealed through a vicious, a really vicious scene where she's under, not hypnosis, but she's gone to sleep. She's doing some sleep tests. You know, she starts thrashing around gets woken up all of a sudden she has a hat in her hand and it's freddie's hat and now she's revealed that whatever she grabs and wakes up with comes out of the dream world with her so that's pretty cool so they go home and that's where nancy's mom reveals that freddie krueger can't be the killer because freddie krueger was a child killer way back in the day her a bunch of the other adults got sick and tired of his shit pinned them in the boiler room, and burnt that mother Kanaka alive. So he's burnt to a crisp because of them, and now Nancy's realized that he's coming back for revenge in their dreams. We then go to the final act of the movie, where Glenn is in one house, Nancy's in the other house, Nancy's locked in because her mum got all these security bars and that type of stuff in the windows, Long story short, people fall asleep. Glenn is the first one to succumb to his sleepiness. He was staying up to watch Miss Nude America, which I don't know was an actual thing. Apparently it is. I don't know. Someone tell me. He falls asleep. This is where he gets sucked into the bed and they use the rotating room again. Blood goes everywhere. So much blood. This is one of the coolest death scenes that stood with me like forever and i'm glad that they cut out the extra bit of him coming back out of the bed and all that type of stuff and he just became a puddle of blood to the point where one of the cops said you don't need a body bag you need a mop you know freaking killer scene nancy has had enough she sets up all these booby traps because previously she you know shows that she rent the uh, hide some books sorry on booby traps and self-protection and then we have our home alone scene where she pulls Freddy out of the dream. They have an epic chase scene around the house, which I'm sure we'll talk about once Sam 
finds out who this actor was. <laughs> Have an epic chase scene around the house. Nancy takes out Freddy with some fire. Freddy takes out Nancy's mum. Lieutenant Thompson finally gets in the house. Nancy realizes that this is all part of her fear, takes Freddy's powers away. Freddy dies, or does he? Goes to the end of the movie. That son of a bitch is still alive. Cue the climactic finish, the epic before the credits last scare of the convertible driving off with the kids and Nancy's mum being sucked through the window, becoming a blow-up doll. Sam, have you found out who this actor is? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I can't find him. Um, I was waiting for you to jump in, man. <laughs> no, that's good plot synopsis. Um, in that, though, you do get a litany of great looking shots. Um, so yes. um, Tina's death scene has great lighting of the uh, moonlight, I guess, or the shadow light coming through the window. Um, and then she's up on the ceiling, covered in blood, screaming out. Um, Rod's death is probably my least favorite out of all of them because I just think it's um, uh, probably like the least imaginative, but it's needed to illustrate that the dreams are having consequences in the real world because um, it makes it super clear what's going on, right? Yeah, and it also is important too because it gives less evidence that Freddy could be real because it's a realistic death in there, like he's committing suicide. So keeps uh, Freddy in the fear of the kids and not in the minds of the adults. So it's important to the plot. That's what I'm trying to get at. Hmm. And I, I, what I like about the, I guess the, it doesn't have a lot of Hollywood tropes that there's only um, a handful of of kill scenes, right? The final girl, I guess, isn't like your typical final girl. Um, It's almost like she discovers that this guy is just baggage and she's not he's not worth the energy or the um effort and he's just like he is nothing right and he's just, she she learns that oh, I'm not I'm not dealing with your shit anymore you don't have the power I take away all the energy and effort I ever gave you fuck off and that's like almost a really good metaphor for life you know when you get suffer something that's just hardship and that you finally get to that stage where you can just get the power to overcome it and move forward so I also like the fact that you know like typical adults don't believe the kids the kid, they're all sort of really shitty adults you know they've done a horrible thing that's called a detri- they thought they were protecting their kids and now that's turned out to really um, punish their kids um, and Nancy's the one that's brave enough to figure out the solution on her own. Um, she, I will say this though, it it whilst the film does create great suspense between you know she has to stay awake and all these traumatic things are happening to her and is she losing her mind sort of thing. It does kind of get a bit hokey to the point of, I don't know why she has to wait till midnight to to get Freddy out of the dream world. Like, you know what I mean? That seems a bit dumb to me. Like, 
I would have done it straight away. You're tired. Any longer you wait. I know her partner, whatever. I can't remember his name. John. John Depp's character said he'd be sleeping like a Glenn. baby. Glenn. So he's not really tired or whatever. But I just would have done it straight away. Like, why wait till midnight? And then the whole thing of getting bars on the windows and stuff, it's like, oh, that just seems a bit... Again, yeah, well, that, that was... That, yeah, but that was a drunk mum locking her in. Yeah, but I just think it's a bit... Like, just getting bars on the windows? It's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, alcohol makes you do some crazy shit, man. Um, I just think it's a bit... Like, yeah, I think it's done for the plot. Right? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I, I always kind of like the ending... Mm-hmm. While it's cool in a way that she can do all these booby traps and that type of stuff, I always found that. I guess it's kind of by design, though, because once Freddy gets pulled out and he's in the real world and he's kind of just like stumbling around and tripping over shit and, you know, getting home alone, it kind of makes him a bit more. Mm. Like, I remember when I was like 14, 15, and I first watched it, and I told you I was scared shitless, right? It was at that point where I wasn't really scared anymore when I was watching it. Mm. And I think that that's kind of done intentionally because that's when Nancy realizes, no, no, no. He's just, he's just some dickhead with a mm. freaking fedora. Like, I can kick his ass. Um, and, I, and I think that was done intentionally. However, today's standards, it is, it is a bit hokey. And I even think back then it was a little hokey. But it's still kind of cool in a way. Like, I kind of want to set up some booby traps. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I don't know. It's probably the weaker point of the movie. Um, but still watchable and, and enjoyable at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And i got to say, like, the scenes of Tina in the body bag. Oh, that's pretty gory stuff. Mm. Um, it's got the iconic scene of when she's in... Nancy's in the bathtub and the hand comes up between her legs. Oh, that's a killer scene. Um, shot in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, they, well, they had to, right? Like, how yeah. <laughs> um, Middle of the ocean. The oatmeal stairs. Um, yes. <laughs> like I said, it's got so many sort of, just so many cool things. Um, the, um, the, uh, yeah, like I said, the phone that tongues. <laughs> um, the the end fight when he's on fire that was amazing he's just walking through the house on fire yeah that's a big burn it's a um, long burn it was yeah it's, it's probably one of the most sort of visually striking totally engaging plot moves forward 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 you're not really dumped down in too much exposition um guaranteed Great fun ride from beginning to end. Beginning to end. Oh yeah, so I was going to just tell you a bit of stuff about uh, the rotating room again with uh, Johnny Depp's death. So if you rewatch that scene, right, um, what ended up happening was as all the blood poured out of the bed, the room lost balance and started tilting. So you can see um, that the blood is actually starting to kind of go with gravity in different directions. Mm. Um, what ended up happening was that blood water went everywhere, started causing sparks and <laughs> all that type of shit. And it was just like a real nightmare of a scene to shoot. It was pretty much, it was a one and done. That's why there's no like, 
I guess, better take where the blood isn't pissing off in different directions and the bed sheet isn't hanging off, you know, covered in water, that type of stuff. Um, so, hey, man, go do what you got to do is kill it. It's still a cool scene, man. And that's the other thing. You mentioned the oatmeal stairs. Like, these practical effects guys, that was called, uh, I think it was called Bisquick. Um, he was describing it. And he was just like, how do you know that if you get this stuff, and you don't put enough water and you make it real thick that it turns into like a gluey substance and makes that, you know, like you got to be a sick fuck to know that. <laughs> it's killer. I love those guys. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, what's your favorite scene? Oh, shit. My favorite scene would have to be the lead up um, to Tina's death. I know we talked about, you know, some of the effects in the nightmare, but it's not so much that. It's so much, um, it's more like the scene with Nancy is real subtle. You know, Freddy's kind of just like, he's going through the wall and you have that really cool latex lighting effect and you don't know if he's going to get Nancy. You assume he's going to get Nancy because you think Tina's going to be the final girl. Um, and then the roles were reversed, and then obviously it all leads to that. It's it's like a big crescendo, if that's right. You have a fair bit of suspense. And mind you, it's only, 10, 15, it's only 15, 20 minutes, right? But you have a fair bit of suspense, and then it ends with a really big bang. Um, so my favorite scene is the lead-up to Tina's death and then Tina's death itself. I think it's just it was really well done. Yeah, what about you? It's Tina's death, 100%. It's um, the whole sequence, beautifully shot, beautifully orchestrated, correct amount of tension, correct amount of suspense, correct amount of um, gore. Uh, it's not overly acted. The screaming isn't just, doesn't, that's another thing about these fucking movies that does my head in is the screaming. Like, just shut up. Kill her already. Like, oh, it's, yes. Yeah, man. But it's all perfectly timed, perfectly orchestrated, beautiful sequence. Um, What's your probably like least favorite thing in this film? Uh, you do have one. Look, I mean, I don't really have it. Like I mentioned, okay, the booby trap stuff. I mean, it's still kind of fun to watch, you know? Like that's the other cool thing about Wes Craven. He always had some cool, fun stuff in all his movies, whether it be Scream or Glass House on the Left or whatever, you know? He always has something. Um, least favorite... I I think I guess just to me it would be the parent characters. Um, I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. Like Lieutenant Thompson, I just I like John Saxon so much that I kind of like forget how much of a useless prick he is in this movie. Um, and I just wish that like the parents weren't complete. I guess fucks you know like yeah, yeah. Nancy's mum is just like what the fuck is her deal you know what I mean yeah. like she comes off alright to begin with and then all of a sudden she just hits the booze and I get she's got this demon in a freaking uh, in her furnace downstairs you know that she's she's hiding but I don't know I just least favourite thing and even Glenn's parents the tosses you know like I just wish that the parent characters were a bit stronger if they were so you know, obsessed with killing Freddy to begin with, because all these parents were involved. That's why he's getting revenge. 
you know, and they cared about their kids that much. You know, I think that they would have acted a little bit differently once they started dying off in weird means. Do you know what I mean? It just, like, that that kind of always bothered me. But other than that, I mean, that's real nitpicky stuff. What about you? Yeah, the mother is a bit, you know, how you going? Well, the one thing I really generally don't like is the ending. Um, mm. well. I think that the ending kind of almost undermines the film by having a psych out that the kids aren't alive and she's dreaming and Freddy's got her again. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> I thought the ending would have been better with a happy ending. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like it. I, cause she confronts the trauma. She defeats the trauma. She comes to a very brave conclusion. Um, and I just feel like it, the psych out undermines it. Funny you say that. Wes Craven doesn't like that ending either. And this is when we talk about studio involvement. Mm. So the movie was done. It was dusted. Nancy defeated Freddy. It's one and done. But these guys saw how good this movie was. Sequel bait. We need to have a sequel bait. That's why that scene was so rushed. And that's the other reason why Nancy's mom turns into a freaking blow-up doll and gets sucked through a window. So... Um, yeah, you're right. Wes Craven didn't want that ending. Um, and that ending was filmed and, and put in there, you know, with studio involvement to get that sequel bait. Um, and, and that's probably why you don't like it, because it doesn't really fit, I guess, you know, with the rest of the movie as well. Um, so I, I agree with you there, actually. You know, yeah, the parent characters were a bit odd, but yeah, that ending is definitely weak. Yeah, and uh, like I would argue that you don't need that to set up a sequel because you could just have every generations of kids have to go through this and they have to confront um, this sort of thing. It could just be a new generation of kids versus Freddy, like you know what I mean? Because he's in a dream, like he can come back through the fear of, like you know, his fear can bring him back, or people's fear of him can bring him back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's how he came back in Freddy vs Jason. Yeah, so I just feel like it is. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit of yeah, it's a shit house ending. I I personally think it was a shit house ending. Um, but like I said, you could if you just stop the film at the end, that's it. Like yeah, that that before that little part when she wakes up, apparently it's the next day. Um, you could you probably have a great sort of um. Very fulfilling, satisfied ride. It's just so hokey as well with the car. Yeah, that that was the real reaction from the kids because the car um, top went down too quick and scared them all. So at at least it scared them, I guess. Yeah, I just thought it was like, yeah, just didn't need to do it. Um, So I would be remiss. Oh, sorry. Let's maybe jump into our recommendations. So I strongly recommend you watch this whenever you can, however you can. It's a, probably a staple of the season, the Halloween season, I guess, or the scary season. Um, and it's definitely worth your time. It still holds up. It still is credible. It still has a lot... Like, the scares aren't just, like, gore. Like, to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the only reason why it's considered scary is because it's fucking grotesque. Like, I don't really find it that scary. That's um, a shit movie. I'm just saying. I don't like it. But anyway. Yeah, I don't like it either. I think it's fucking way overrated. Um, but um, 
this is generally like the scares are cre- it's more creepy than it is scary but it also has some satirical elements it's fantastic it's a strong hard recommend what about you fans no, 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 I don't recommend Of course I recommend this movie. <laughs> of course I recommend it. Recommend it, watch it, um, enjoy it, and then, uh, yeah, watch the rest of them. Okay. Um, all right, so I'll be remiss if we didn't mention the 2010 sequel, uh, remake. Oh, God. Um, oh, fuck you. So, I haven't seen the remake. I oh. have no intention of seeing the remake. But don't. From what people say, it is critically panned around Spit. the globe. It's the best movie of all time. Um, why, do, why does everyone hate it so much? Everyone hate... Okay. Be quick, because we, we've been going yeah. close to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be quick. All right, no one asked for it. Okay, no one asked for it. You got Robert England. He is Freddy Krueger. No one else can be Freddy Krueger. Jackie O'Haley, great actor. Couldn't... Could not do the role. If anyone was going to do it, it'd be him. He couldn't figure it out. He didn't get it done. The movie was a beat-by-beat, beat, essentially, remake of the first movie, which... Uh, okay, sure, but if why would you imitate something that is better? Like try and make it your own. Um, nothing really here. They made Freddy a child molester. Well, no, sorry. First they tried to make you sympathise with him. Then they made him a child molester, so you felt bad for thinking that he might be innocent. Um, and it just it was just dull. Like no one gave a shit when they were making the movie. It just felt like an overproduced Hollywood wannabe sack of crap. And that's what it is. That's what it is. It's ten years old now. I hope everyone forgets about it. And me bringing it up now doesn't bring it back to life like Freddy did all those times ago. If you want to watch a movie in the two thousands that has Freddy Krueger, Freddy vs Jason, that's it. Stop there. Forget about it. That remake can go fuck itself. Hmm, fair enough. I've seen Freddy vs. Jason. That's the only other one I've seen. Ah, oh, it's um, the best. I heard number three is pretty good, so I actually would yes. to watch number three. Um, I will lend it to you when I see you next. I've downloaded it. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've got it. Um, so I'm pretty keen to watch that again, again, and, and then pot about it. Um, but I probably won't watch any of the others because from the sounds of things just going through the lists, um, I heard very... I've seen bits of number two because I downloaded them all. But yeah, I, yeah. Because I, I just kind of skimmed through them. Um, yeah. And number two seems just on a different level. Um, Surpri- surprisingly, they're hard, they're hard to come by. Like, I was trying to find a streaming so I could watch it on my tablet while I was cooking yeah. dinner. I had to bring my little TV in with the DVD player. Um, they're pretty... Pretty hard to come by, but anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, number two just seems batshit crazy. Like the 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 girl, the final girl is a guy, and he is, a, <laughs> and he is Freddy. Like, and his name's Jesse. No, no, no. The, number number two didn't know what number two wanted to be. Yeah, and, and let's not go to it. But yeah, no, no. <laughs> that, that's why number three is so good because they brought Wes Craven back. Yeah, I'm just saying that. Um, and number three looks like it's almost like a genuine like fucking awesome flick so and I, I haven't seen you'll it. like it um, I think I've seen number four and I've seen number five I think the oh god the poor thing yeah so I've seen the shit ones that's probably what put me off number uh, six it's the oh god I can't god. remember number six um yeah Ooh, as always this is sorry I'm just so gassed um as always you can find us on SoundCloud Twitter and iTunes um 
stay scary, stay stay uh, horrific. And Thrones, we'll catch you next time. I'll see you in your dreams. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, jeez.